This episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast is sponsored by the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. As a woman in the modern world, our hormones are taking a battering. They're impacted by the food we eat, the toxins we're exposed to, such as when we eat out of plastic takeaway containers, or even worse, reheat food in them. Please don't do this. If you're handling FPOS receipts, filling the car with fuel, eating non-organic produce that hasn't been washed effectively, plus so much more things add to our toxic load every day. Even though our bodies are designed to effectively manage toxins, they haven't evolved as quickly as our toxic world has, unfortunately. So our body does need support. Symptoms such as stubborn weight gain, fatigue, disrupted periods, irritability, and gut health issues can be a sign that you'd benefit from a gentle detox. And that's why I developed the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. This free guide has an abundance of information to get you started on your very own DIY detox. And if you'd like to upgrade to VIP, it's only $47 for a limited time. I used to sell this program for $247. The upgrade gives you the recipes, including plenty of uh, plant-based options, the meal planner, the shopping list template, the video workshop, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more now. Take care of your hormones. They are a critical part of your health as a woman. Hi, I'm Susie Garden, and this is the Ageless and Awesome podcast. I'm an age-defying naturopath and clinical nutritionist, and I'm here to bust myths around women's health and aging so that you can be ageless and awesome in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. The Ageless and Awesome podcast is dedicated to helping women through perimenopause and menopause with great health, a positive mindset, and outrageous confidence. Hit subscribe or follow now, and let's get started. Hello, gorgeous human, and welcome to the Ageless and Awesome podcast. I'm just absolutely stoked after last week's launch um, and landing in the podcast charts in the top 10, no less. So thank you so, so much for your support. And to all of the new listeners, welcome. I really hope you're going to enjoy the podcast. Today, I'm specifically addressing an issue that many women experience in perimenopause and even in menopause, and that is the dreaded hot flush, right? If any of you have experienced it, and I certainly have, they are an absolute pain in the butt, Uh, and they can last for years, unfortunately. But today I'm going to talk about some strategies you can employ to help handle them, uh, particularly if you're not necessarily wanting to go on to HRT. Uh, Obviously, there's nothing wrong with going on to HRT. Some people get fantastic results with it. Some people not so much. It's completely individual. Uh, I'm not here to bag that. That's not my intention at all. Um, but, you know, uh, as coming from the, the natural side of the medical spectrum these days, having been through and in the conventional medical spectrum, I think there's quite a lot that we can do that is more supportive of the body long term. 
and particularly our menopause, perimenopause symptoms. So let's get into this hot flushes. They're really common, really common symptom during perimenopause and even, even after menopause. And while they may not seem like a big deal, they really can have a big impact on your life, particularly if they're pretty significant and if they're just hitting you out of the blue and you're not able to identify a trigger. But there are ways we can address the underlying causes and hope, hopefully alleviate them a little so you're not really um, finding them too debilitating because the stats tell us that around 75% of those women going through perimenopause will experience hot flushes. So three out of four women, it's a lot. Uh, and in some cases, they may continue for months or even years after you reach menopause. So menopause being that period 12 months after your last menstrual period. So let's look at what you can do to better manage this irritating symptom. So what are they? What causes them? Uh, hot flushes, they're also known as hot flashes, uh, particularly in the US, or more technically or medically, vasomotor symptoms, vasomotor symptoms, I should say, uh, whatever uh, name you use, they are one of the most common symptoms experienced during the menopausal transition. And they can feel like increased sweating, like sweat literally pouring off you, uh, redness in the face, a flushing sensation spreading generally from the chest or even a bit lower in the torso up towards the face. And some people may also experience palpitations. So that's that sensation of the heart beating quite rapidly, uh, dizziness, and even nausea. Uh, as well as frustration. Uh, and also you may feel cold as a rebound effect after the flush has passed because of course you have sweat on the skin and also just that change in that blood flow. Because this that when I mentioned the word vasomotor uh, symptoms or term vasomotor symptoms, vaso meaning vascular and motor meaning, you know, movement. Um, it is that that kind of dilation of your vessels, which is bringing blood and heat to the surface of the skin. So if, as they constrict again, you can feel cold, maybe. Uh, and maybe that might be a welcome relief. Um, and the thing is, there's variation often between uh, hot flushes. You may have a sudden onset of this flush, or it may come on slowly. The symptoms may be incredibly intense, or they may just be mild and irritating. Many people get woken up during the night by hot flushes. In fact, one of the most annoying aspects is that it is so unpredictable. You don't know when it will hit. You don't know what it'll be like, how long it will last, or even when the next episode will occur once it's passed. Um, there's nothing to be concerned about with this symptom. It is a completely normal, uh, occurrence during this time, but it doesn't mean that you just have to put up with it, particularly if it gives you some stress or makes you feel embarrassed. Um, particularly, you know, if like me, you wear kind of natural deodorant, for example, I don't wear antiperspirant. I haven't worn antiperspirants for years and I find deodorant is just fine, but, if you have a hot flush and you're not wearing an antiperspirant, yeah, the, the fluid that can, the sweat that can run down your body is just, yeah, pretty 
nasty. And if you live in a warm climate, like I do in Queensland, it can be even more exacerbated. And the thing is, you, you don't even know if it's just you or whether it is actually hot. Um, so, you know, it's one of those really kind of weird symptoms and it can be, as I said, mildly irritating, or it just can be a real pain in the butt. So let's talk about how to reduce it. Um, so, you know, obviously, as I mentioned before, there are options medically, um, but they're really just going on hormonal control. And if you're not keen on that, um, and you'd rather just have this natural flow into your menopausal um, state. The good news is that there are some things we can do from a natural point of view to address um, imbalances in estrogen and take out the triggers that feed into the hot flushes. Um, so here are some simple tips to kind of get started. Firstly, if you can identify your triggers Avoiding them is probably one of the most effective ways to reduce hot flushes. And common triggers can unfortunately include alcohol, <laughs> spicy food, and coffee. Three things that I like. Um, but yes, they can be common triggers. If you're unsure what's really causing, if it feels like it's just really random, often if you keep a little journal, and record when you're getting them, you can start to see patterns. And even like if you're getting woken in the middle of the night with a hot flush, it can be useful to reflect on, well, did I have alcohol the day before or the evening before? What did I have to eat? Was I more stressed than normal? Did I drink enough water during the day? All of the kind of little things that can add up, which may cause a hot flush even later, like hours later. I think it's useful to keep a diary if you can't work it out, because then there may be ways that, you know, you can manage that and avoid it, particularly if, you know, sometimes on a daily basis, it's not such a big deal. But if you have an event, for example, if you're going to be speaking somewhere or, you know, you just don't want to be bothered by these hot flushes, particularly if they do distract you. Um, then you may want to just have some understanding of what's going on in your body and why you're getting them. Number two thing that you can do is focus on what you're putting in your body from a food point of view and focus on a nutrient-rich diet. Looking, you know, kind of the 80-20 rule is what I like to go with. So 80% nourishing whole foods and 20% treats. So, you know, you need plenty of whole foods in your diet to support your hormones, to maintain a healthy weight, to improve stress resilience. There is absolutely a link between stress resilience and the quality of your diet. Also to reduce inflammation. Um, the list goes on. So really looking at, well, how can I bring more and more whole foods so whole foods, whole foods are anything that's not in a packet. How can you bring more and more in? And really looking at what am I actually eating? When I do food journals with people in clinic, and most people will say to me, oh, I have a really healthy diet. I go, okay, let's do a food journal for a week. And they come back and go, oh, okay. Oh man, I did not really realize how much the treats are sneaking in. So having that documentation for yourself so that you remember 
what you've been eating. Because let's face it, if I asked you right now, just think about what you had for lunch two days ago. How quickly or how slowly can you remember? I really have to think about it. And I'm a nutritionist and I focus on food a lot. So having a bit an ability to track it, and that's super easy. You don't need anything fancy. You can use an app or just use a piece of paper or just use your notebook in your phone just to track everything you're eating and then really notice when do my symptoms happen. And you may even notice other things like bloating or you might notice, oh, my sleep was really disrupted, particularly in relation to perhaps alcohol construction consumption. So it can be really helpful for many, many reasons to track your food just for like five to seven days. I warn you, it can be pretty tedious, <laughs> but it is really worth it um, to see if you can notice patterns and tighten up the kind of things that you're putting in your body. And when I'm talking about whole foods, yes, I'm talking about fresh uh, fruits and veggies and good quality proteins and things, but also just be mindful of the kind of sources and things that you're using. And if you're buying like a salad out uh, at a salad bar or something like that, just bear in mind that the, the, their core focus is to get you purchasing their food frequently. So you might be buying a salad and that tastes fantastic, but all of the dressings and things that they're putting in there can often be really loaded with sugar and numbers, chemicals, food enhancers, etc. And uh, so it's really uh, worthwhile either finding out what those ingredients are or avoiding those types of salads with those kinds of dressings. And like for me personally, I just stick to olive oil and maybe lemon juice or apple cider vinegar. Um, I sometimes do like a chili oil or pepper and herbs. I'll often buy goat's cheese that is sitting in uh, olive oil with some herbs and pepper and all of the rest of it. And I use that oil as my salad dressing. And that is beautiful. It's beautiful. So you don't need to be adding a whole bunch of other things into your foods to give them flavor. If you're using even things like um, nuts and seeds, doing a little nuts and seeds mix, mixing that through your salad gives it that crunch, which is really nice. So there's lots of things you can do. Balsamic vinegar, actually, that's another one just occurred to you. If you get a sugar-free or a low-sugar balsamic vinegar, that is yum. So there's plenty you can do to add flavor to your whole foods without really adding a lot of rubbish to them that obviously is going to taste awesome, but it's not great for you, not great for your hormones, not great for your weight. So let's... Um, yeah, just have a think about what you're actually eating and putting in your body. You may be really surprised at the amount of additional things that you're not really thinking about. Number three is keeping calm. (laughs) Chronic stress, and I probably talk about this almost every week on the podcast, and it's because it is so important. I'm absolutely passionate about helping people to manage their stress and to understand the impact of stress on your body and your mind. And remember, we have a mind-body connection that is very well documented. There's a fantastic documentary. Gosh, it's quite old now. I think it was in 2014 called, I think it's just called The Connection. That blew my mind, literally. And um, I really recommend going and finding that. I'm sure you can find it online. 
uh, because it really describes, and you know, the research has advanced so much more since that documentary. And I'm, and and I I read a lot of stuff on this, and it is just unequivocal now that if we can manage our mind and regulate our nervous system, it has profound effects on our body, our health, our hormones, everything. So having a stress management plan in place. And that doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as simple as walking your dog in a mindful way. It can be going and finding some nature to look at, whether it's a tree, whether it's sitting on some grass, whether it's um, water, whatever it is, just breathing is another one, cold water immersion, having a cold shower. All of these things we know now are incredibly powerful on regulating your nervous system, reducing your stress, improving your stress resilience. So, and we know in perimenopause that the drop in progesterone, our brain loves progesterone. It's very calming. And so we have this drop in progesterone and that is going to make you far more prone to anxiety and to having a poor, poorly regulated nervous system. And when you have a poorly regulated nervous system, if you feel like you're experiencing stress, it will leave you inflamed, hormonally imbalanced, and suffering from countless symptoms. So uh, I have plenty of resources on my website. If you go to suzy.garden.com, um, have a look through my uh, blogs, have a look through my po- old podcast episodes. Uh, and if you need any assistance being directed towards things, just DM me at Susie Garden Wellness. I'm more than happy to direct you to some free resources that can help because I'm I really am absolutely passionate about it. And it should be something that's accessible to everybody. All right, I'll get off my my soapbox now. Um, Number four, tackle insulin resistance. So insulin resistance is where your body is not responding to insulin in the way that we need it to in order to get glucose from the blood into the cells. And it's really common as we get older, it can develop alongside perimenopause, and especially if we're prone to weight gain, especially around the middle, it's all you know, uh, contributing to the development of insulin resistance, which is pre-diabetes. So it's pretty important. And it seems that those with in some, some degree of insulin resistance are more prone to these hot flushes. So make sure you get checked out. There are blood tests you can do, um, uh, to see if you have insulin resistance. A simple measure is just to measure your waist at the navel. If that is over a hundred, a hundred centimeters, it's highly likely you have a degree of insulin resistance. So taking steps to improve your insulin sensitivity and there, that's another podcast in itself. Uh, and I think I've actually done some podcasts maybe last year or the year before on that. So go and have a look at those or listen to those. Now, the other thing also is obviously what can we do to help manage our estrogen? So there's a few things. So you will often hear naturopaths talk about liver support, right? And I know there's a lot said about liver detox and the liver detoxes itself, and it absolutely does. We have a number of organs of detoxification. When it comes to detoxing estrogen, the main two are your liver and your bowel. So good gut health is essential. It's essential that you are clearing your waste products, ideally on a daily basis, um, Some people can get away with um, moving their bowels every 
two days, but really daily would be kind of the, the goal and knowing what is sort of healthy is also important. So there's something, a resource you can Google, it's called the Bristol stool chart. All of my patients know this chart because they see it in virtually every consult because I love gut health. And look at the Bristol stool chart. And what you're aiming for is a stool type of three or four. If it's more closer to that one, then you need to be improving your water intake. So looking at your water intake of, you're looking ideally say around 35 mils of water per kilo of body weight. So if you just to make it easy for me to calculate, if you weigh 100 kilos, that's 3.5 liters a day. That includes any fluid, like if you're cooking, if you're making a soup, if you're making a smoothie, all of that is included in that total count. Um, and also making sure that you've got good fiber in your diet. So uh, good fiber foods such as, um, let's see, sweet potato, oats, um, onions gosh there's so many there's so many just google high fiber foods and you will find them so making sure that you're doing what you can from a hydration and fiber point of view and but if you do have some significant gut issues they do need to be addressed um it's something that i address in my programs and i think it's it's something that i see so often it's often linked in with chronic stress so improving your stress resilience will also generally improve your gut health and vice versa because that gut brain connection works both ways um also just so that's the bowel aspect of it because we detoxify estrogen or old estrogen through our liver and that then those waste products go out through the gut. So if that gut is not sort of releasing those waste products regularly, there is the potential for the bowel, because when when the, the food or the waste products rather are in your large intestine, it's absorbing water. That's that's what it does. But it can also absorb back some of that estrogen that's been um, trying to be excreted and that can recirculate in the body. And that's when you can start getting some of those more kind of what we would describe as hormonal symptoms. And also just making sure you're feeding the liver, liver loving foods such as what we call cruciferous veggies. So that's um, kale, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, uh, things like that. If you have a thyroid condition, make sure you're cooking those foods because they do have a naturally occurring chemical called goitrogens in there that uh, can, if you have a weakness in the thyroid, can be a little problematic. So just make sure you're cooking those really well if you do have a thyroid issue. All right, so that's a lot that I've covered today around hot flushes. Now, if you're looking for something really specific for your particular condition, then obviously I'm here to help. Feel free to message me at Susie Garden Wellness. Um, There'll be a link in the show notes if you want to book in for a complimentary age-defying and weight loss strategy call to see if how I work with people would work for you. Um, but yeah, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, I would love it if you would leave me a rating and a review. The Ageless and Awesome podcast is obviously my brand new relaunch. So I would love to see some ratings and reviews come through. So I know that you are liking what you're hearing. Also, I have a Q&A Thursday every week. So if you've got a specific question that you would like me to answer on the pod, then 
feel free to message me that as well. I think if you're in Spotify, there is uh, a way of doing that. If you look on the app on under this podcast, there'll be a little button. Okay, bye. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Ageless and Awesome podcast. If you liked today's episode, please make sure you click the little plus button if you're on Apple Podcasts or the follow button if you're on Spotify so that you can get each new episode delivered to you every single week. If you like free stuff and who doesn't, then head over to suzygarden.com and grab my eight essential age-defying secrets every woman over 40 should know right now. Or if you'd like to continue the discussion, head over to Instagram and DM me at Wellness. I'd love to connect with you. 